0: So, John chapter 19, we begin at verse 16. This is God's word. Finally, Pilate handed him, that's Jesus, over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him, two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. to be king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And we'll end the reading there this morning. It was just in this past March, March of this year, that an archaeologist named Dr. Scott Stripling and a team of international scholars held a press conference in Houston, Texas. At that press conference, they unveiled what Dr. Stripling claims is the earliest proto-alphabetic Hebrew text, a very early Hebrew text which includes the name of God, Yahweh, on it. It's the oldest alphabetic text of its kind ever discovered in ancient Israel. It was found at Mount Ebal. You know Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal from Deuteronomy 11. This little two-centimeter-by-two-centimeter folded lead tablet may be one of the greatest archaeological discoveries ever made, according to Strickland. It would be the first attested use of the name of Yahweh in the land of Israel. And he said would set back the clock on proven uh, Israelite literacy by several centuries. Now, this isn't a surprise to Bible-believing Christians, but he said this shows that the Israelites were literate when they entered the Holy Land and therefore could have written the Bible as some of the events it documents took place. But uh, This is what a professor in Haifa University said. This is a text you find only every 1,000 years. Uh, This discovery never made the mainstream media. Many of us probably never even heard of it. Uh, But it is an amazing discovery, the name of Yahweh there in such an ancient, ancient tablet. But it reminded me that many, many years ago, in an excavation of an ancient garbage dump in the dry sands of the Middle East, archaeologists uncovered little bits of papyrus, ancient paper, which are the equivalent of ancient invoices or bills of sale. And on some of those invoices, written boldly across the list of what was owed, is the Greek word tetelestai, which means paid in full. Paid in full. Now that kind of discovery for an archaeologist is not a once in a thousand years kind of find but for a sinner when that word tetelasti is on jesus lips from the cross it is once in a lifetime good news because in this word is the believer's hope and assurance And comfort and joy, because that Greek word "tetelestai" is translated into English, "it is finished." And that's the sixth saying of Jesus from the cross that we've read this morning. Jesus said, "I'm thirsty." They lifted the sponge to his lips, and after that, he said, "It is finished." Only John records these words out of the four gospel writers. And one writer said, Is it surely, it is surely not too much to say that of all the seven sayings of Christ on the cross, none is more remarkable than this. Jesus spoke from the cross, three sayings directed toward God, three sayings directed more toward people. But here is a saying which involves God and people. She spoke before devils and angels to so the whole universe. It is finished. Perhaps the greatest single word Jesus ever spoke in his life. After he's born in Bethlehem in the manger, after all of his teaching in, uh, in Israel and all of the miracles he performed, after his betrayal and suffering... Before he breathed his last breath on the cross, this is what he said. To tell us, die. It is finished. Now, many people have said, what did he mean when he said that? What did he mean? And it's probably true that we'll never completely understand the fullness of what Jesus meant when he said that. But I think there are some things that we could say it didn't mean. It wasn't just a cry of relief, finally it's finished. As if Jesus was looking to escape his suffering on the cross. It wasn't the cry of defeat, as some have said, oh, I'm finished. I had hoped that I would be able to, to do something in this world and change people and people would recognize me that they haven't and I'm a failure. It's all finished. There's certainly nothing of that. Even the soldier at the cross, uh, we read, when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. There was something about what Jesus said there on the cross before he died uh, that was no cry of defeat, but rather a declaration of victory. It was a shout of victory. It was the proclamation by Jesus, if we would paraphrase it, mission accomplished. It is finished because the Greek word has the sense of fulfilling all your obligations. Have you ever had a to-do list and how good it feels when you've checked everything off? You'd say it's a comp, maybe just for a day and you've checked it all off. Mission accomplished. That's what this word has the the sense of fulfilling obligations, reaching a goal or a purpose. It speaks about completing everything that was designed. And so, what was it that was accomplished, fulfilled, and completed by Jesus when he said, it is finished? Well, we should note, and in the original language, you'd see it very clearly that When Jesus says, it is finished, in verse 30, he's already used that word in verse 28, knowing that all was now completed, same, finished, and that the scripture would be fulfilled. So the first sense of it is finished is that Jesus says, all of the promises, all of the pictures, all of the pointers that are there in the Old Testament, pointing toward the Lord Jesus Christ, have been accomplished and fulfilled in him. John nineteen twenty four and 28 are just two examples of how the life and ministry of Jesus finished or fulfilled all of those prophecies of the Savior. Jesus would later teach after his resurrection to those disciples on the road to Emmaus, What was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Some parts of the Old Testament are very hard to read and very hard to understand. But here is the key that unlocks the Old Testament. If you're saying, ah, I just have so much trouble reading the Old Testament. What's it all about? Well, here's the great key. Look for Christ. Look for Jesus. From the beginning of the Old Testament in Genesis 3.15 that a seed of the woman would come and the serpent would bruise his heel but he would crush his head. All the way through the Old Testament it's all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially all of those sacrifices. Everything that was happening in the temple, boys and girls. The blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. It's pointing Jesus was teaching forgiveness by sacrifice. And it all pointed to the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world. It is finished. God's promise of sending a Savior was fulfilled. And all of the ceremonies and sacrifices are finished in Christ. The temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. That's not the way to worship God anymore. Jesus laid down his life. He paid the penalty for sin once for all. It is finished speaks of fulfilled prophecy. It also speaks of Jesus' perfect life. There's some evidence that when lambs were brought to be offerings in the temple... And when they were found as they needed to be, without blemish or spot, that uh, the overseeing official would say, "To Telesty, it is finished. It is complete." And so that points as well to the Lord Jesus Christ. We often just think of his death on the cross, but Christ's whole life was necessary for the salvation of people, because God is holy. We read His law, His commandments. He's never lowered the bar. He couldn't do that and remain holy and perfect as a judge. There needs to be perfect obedience in order for there to be blessing. I don't have that. You don't have that. Where are we going to find it? In the Old Testament, Jesus is called the Lord our righteousness. He has lived the perfect life that the Bible says by faith covers a person. It is imputed, it is given to our account, a life of perfect righteousness so that Christ is made for us, uh, Christ who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption, 1 Corinthians 1.30. We need a perfect righteousness to cover us in God's sight. And... We need to see the righteousness of Christ also as what qualified him to be a sacrifice. It was only a sinless substitute who could provide his people with an obedience pleasing to God and also because he had no sin of his own to be punished. Jesus didn't die because of his own sin. The wages of sin is death. Jesus had no sin of his own to die for. Did he? But he then was qualified to pay the price for others. This is what Hebrews 7 says. Such a high priest truly meets our needs, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he did not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, and then for the sins of his people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men in all their weakness. But the oath or the promise of God which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. It is finished. All the prophecies fulfilled in Christ. A perfect righteousness fulfilled in Christ. So that, and here's the third. There are others, but here's the third for this morning. Meaning of it is finished. Jesus was qualified to pay another person's debt because he wasn't sunk in spiritual debt himself. And this is the glorious good news of the Bible. The third sense this morning of Tetelestai announces a complete payment or purchase because the death of Jesus was the physical and spiritual especially enduring of the wrath of God against the sin of Christ's people, all those that he came to save, all those that the Father had given him from all eternity. When Jesus said, it is finished, he was declaring the perfect and complete payment for the debt of sin. Every event of his life, one writer said, was part of the payment of the penalty of sin, but this culminated on the cross. That's what we need to see when we look at the cross, understanding what the Bible says about it. He wasn't just a martyr for a cause, as some people think. He wasn't just a helpless uh, political uh, prisoner. He was the Son of God in the flesh, enduring the wrath of God against the guilt of the sin of his people. You can't see that with your eye. They couldn't see that with their eyes that day when they looked at Jesus on the cross. But that's what the Bible tells us was happening. That's what Jesus knew was happening. He knew what he was doing. No greater love has a man in this than he laid down his life for his friends. And that has no greater meaning than Jesus laying down his life, which meant enduring the holy wrath of God for sin on the cross. Not his own sin, but the sin of anyone and everyone who would come and acknowledge their sin and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as the great substitute Savior, the Lamb of God. Listen to these words that someone once wrote. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long. Christ, Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Daniel 9, 24, it says that Jesus one day would put an end to sin and to atone for wickedness. And he did it. And he said, it is finished. All the ceremonies and shadows that pictured this ultimate payment are now fulfilled because of Christ's death on the cross. It is finished. No further sacrifice for sin is needed. Any attempt at that is is redundant or blasphemous. Listen to Hebrews, again, chapter 9. But now Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. An older pastor of a previous generation said, one comforting thought stands out most clearly on the face of this famous saying, it is finished. He says, as Christians by faith, we rest our souls on a finished work. And if we rest them on the work of Christ Jesus our Lord, We will not fear that either sin or Satan or law shall condemn us at the last day. We may lean on the thought that we have a Savior who has done all, paid all, accomplished all, performed all that is necessary for our salvation. Praise God. It is finished. The debt has been paid. And you know, in the Lord's Prayer, we already read it this morning. Sins are called many things in the Bible. It has many names to tell us all the different ways that sin is so sinful. But remember the Lord's Prayer? What did Jesus call sin? He called it our debt. Forgive us our debts. It's what we owe. Because again, what do we owe God? We owe God a perfect obedience. We're his creatures. But now also as sinners, we owe a payment for sin, the guilt of our sin. And so as we think about sin as debts and we think about Christ saying it is finished, let me just end with three practical applications from this sixth saying of Jesus from the cross. Here's the first. Honest confession. Honest confession. And I'm not talking about you confessing something to me. If you've done something against me and that needs confession, or if I've done something about you, we can deal with that one-on-one. I'm talking about you now before God. The God who knows you, knows everything about you. Talk about honest confession. We need to see our guilt. We need to see that guilt as an un- Payable debt. The debt we couldn't pay. The debt of original sin because we are the descendants of Adam. And the debt of every actual sin in our lives day by day. Honest confession. You know, we just came back from holidays a few weeks ago from down in the States. And because we were traveling and going to different stores, when we got back from holidays, found out that uh, my credit card wouldn't work. Have you ever had that? Uh, they put a hold on it, which is always so inconvenient because you're so embarrassed. You know, you go to pay, all oh, the credit card doesn't work. You feel like that you just never pay your, lo- your debts at all. But uh, it was because of all these things. Some algorithm uh, decided that these purchases look suspicious, right? And so there was a hold. We called the, the person at the credit card company, and this is what the lady said. Well, I'm gonna go, I, am gonna need to go over with you all of your charges since June. This was the end of August. I was on the phone for hours. Alright. June 1st. McEwen's. McEwen. McKee. The gas station here. Couldn't pronounce it. McEwen's. Uh, $54. Yes. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, later, on, food land. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it, that went on for hours. Every charge since June, and she said, "Do you owe this?" Basically, yes, 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 I do. For two hours, I had to acknowledge every debt. Have we done that with God? Where if he would go over your life and point out time and place, would you just say, yes, 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 yes. That's me. There it is in black and white. That's what confession is. It's agreeing with what God says in his word is sin. And then agreeing with him that that's in my life. And it would take longer than two hours. Honest confession. Yes, it was me. I owe it all. But secondly, not just that we respond in honest confession, but that by God's grace we respond by the gift of faith. That we would look to the gracious, perfect payment of a sinner's debt by Jesus. It is finished. It is finished. That we'd look to him alone. That we don't just try to come before God and say, well, I have some good works here that could, could help pay it off. All of our good works are tainted by sin. That We don't come with God with some of extra suffering that we've gone through to, to pay for the guilt of our sin. There is no purgatory. There is no purgatory, no extra suffering that sinners have to do to pay the penalty of sin. There's only one purgatory, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, where Jesus said it is finished. And lastly, that we would respond if we've trusted in Christ, and I hope we have this morning, in thankful response. Just a thankful response. The five quick marks of a debt-forgiven Christian, five fruits that grow on the tree of forgiveness. First, peace. Boys and girls, you can do them on your finger. You have five fingers on a hand. Just listen to these five, and I hope you remember them. Peace. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Believer, you need to hear that. All of your good days and all of your bad days don't detract or don't add to it is finished. You have peace with God. Second, love Love to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, the triune God who first loved us. Remember what Jesus said to the woman, the sinful woman, the Pharisee's house. I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. I love God. I love the Lord. Joy. Here's the third one. Joy. Psalm 51, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Joy grows on the tree of forgiveness. It's a fruit that grows. I don't know if you have a mortgage. Do you have a mortgage this morning? What if I talked to you after and I just said, "Hey, it's covered. I'll take care of that for you." Would would perhaps a slight smile crack on your face? You know it would. What a joy that would be to be free from debt, uh, beloved. It is finished. The debt has been paid. You are forgiven. Joy. Let the bones you broke rejoice. Peace, love, joy. Here's the fourth. Being merciful to others. That's a fruit that grows on the tree of forgiveness. Do you remember the parable in Matthew 18? A servant who had been forgiven so much, the master called in the servant, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Remember, he's forgiven so much, and he goes out, and someone owed him a couple bucks, and he beat him up. Are you forgiven this morning? Then let me ask, are you a forgiving person? Have you been shown mercy this morning? Are you a merciful person? when there is confession and repentance from those who have sinned against us, by God's grace, are you someone who can show mercy? Mercy triumphs over judgment. You can't come here to church Sunday after Sunday singing about the mercy of God to me and going out there and being unmerciful to other people. that just doesn't follow does it merciful to others and here's the last the fifth eager to live a holy life for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy hebrews ten fourteen. he committed no sin no deceit was found in his mouth We need to return from our wandering and pray for the Spirit of God to help us to live lives of thankful obedience as those who have been forgiven. Shall we sin that grace may abound? By no means. Jesus paid it all. You know the hymn? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The guilt of sin is finished. The reigning power of sin is finished. The presence of sin, that's not finished yet. But Paul knew he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. God always finishes what he starts